So Jesse, do you just want to tell us a little bit about your family, uh, just what you're doing at the moment, a bit of information about Voice of the Martyrs, just tell us a little bit about yourself more than anything. Sure. So um, the first thing I have to do is offer a, a brief apology. Uh, the last 15 years I spent involved in prison ministry here in Queensland and what that meant was I had a really bad habit of preaching for a very long time because I literally had a captive audience. So I'm sorry today, folks, if you really are looking for your morning espresso, I will do my best, but I have to just put that caveat out there. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm married, my, my wife Lisa and I met at, um, at bridal college, uh, Bible college, and um, as a result, we, we uh, came single, left married, and so we uh, have two beautiful kids, they're out in kids' church causing chaos right now. That's successful Bible college right there. That's, <laughs> that's the story of so many, isn't it? Uh, I uh, have, as I said, served in, in the prison ministry here in Queensland. My role with Voice of the Martyrs has, has only come on board in the last 12 months, uh, so I've been doing this for a year now. But obviously, working with, with persecuted Christians is something that's natural to every Christian, I believe, or should be, and I'm certainly going to be making the case for that today. Uh, but in that space, I've, I've had the privilege of sharing with many churches and helping people think about what our response is to persecution, what it is, what it isn't. And, and what God is asking of us. Uh, and I think that, you know, that is such a critical thing for us today to be thinking about, particularly when you look at what's happening in the Ukraine at the moment with churches being targeted, uh, what's happening still in China with some very strong laws that have recently been passed, what's continuing to unfold. And I, I, could, just, I could be here for a while. Um, but it still continues today, and, and so I want to talk about that today. Yeah, wonderful. Um, I don't want to steal too much of your thunder, but if there's a way you can answer this question without me stealing too much of your thunder, um, just we, we have as a church been praying for the Ukraine a lot over the past little while. Is there anything that we can do practically or anything that Voice of the Martyrs is doing that we can get on board with sure. uh, with that situation? Yeah, we, we certainly responded quickly. So Voice of the Martyrs works uh, as, like the Baptist structure, uh, a lot of autonomous agencies around the world who are working with shared mission goals, shared mission priorities. The Voice of the Martyrs has an office in Poland. God's strategic positioning is awesome. Uh, so what we were able to do is actually support that office in equipping local churches, as literally we've seen nearly 4 million women and children walk into Poland. Uh, you know, they have left everything, houses, cars, you name it, just walked in. And so churches like this have just become full of beds, the kitchen's running 24 hours a day. We've been buying washing machines and sticking them in there just to wash clothes, get clothes in, buy food. You know, you literally cannot imagine how it would be if, if 2,000 people turned up here tomorrow and said, what can you do? Uh, and a lot of them are, bra are brothers and sisters in Christ. So this is not just a refugee crisis in terms of humanitarian this is, is, is serving the body of Christ. But there is also the opportunity to share one's faith in that context. So we have been supplying the Gospel of John. We, we uh, were able to print nearly 5,000 copies and just hand them out to a couple of specific churches just to assist them in saying, hey, we want you to know that you're safe, you are loved, and God has a plan for your life. Awesome. Now, um, at the end of our time today, there's a table set up in the foyer. If we do want to support Voice of the Martyrs, what are some of the ways that we can, that we can do that? Yeah, what I'm going to say is, is, is later on, but there are two really simple things. The first request we have from the persecuted church is reciprocal prayer. I say reciprocal because they pray for us. Yeah. They are praying for us in the West that, that you know, God will stir up in us a passion. And, and, and obviously we have a sense of comfort, but we also recognise that when God turns up the heat, church growth occurs. Yeah. So if, if we want to see church growth, we have to be prepared to go, okay, God, your will be done. Yeah. So prayer 
prayer, prayer, and prayer. So we have an online prayer meeting on Tuesday night. The CEO from Voice of the Martyrs Poland will be speaking to that at 7 p.m. via Zoom. So if you want to get on board with that and join in that prayer meeting and you can see firsthand, hear firsthand, and pray in real time with people there, please do so. The second thing is Bibles. Uh, China recently passed laws around uh, internet laws in terms of communication. And so what had been happening was a lot of people had Bible apps and, and this sort of thing. It's now all gone old school again. It's printed media, printed Bibles, printed gospel tracts, things that can't be tracked. So we are next month trying to raise funds for 150,000 Bibles. A Bible costs about eight bucks. Um, we're not asking people to put Bibles in their backpack and fly to China. We can care, take care of the supply lines, but we want you to get on board with that. So there are ways to partner with us. Wonderful. Hey, before you come and share with us, mate, can I just pray for you? Please do. And then we'll, we'll get into it. Yeah, Lord, thank you so much for... Um, for bringing Jesse here today and we do thank you for the work of Voice of the Martyrs and right now as he comes to bring your word, Lord, we do ask that you will open up our hearts um, and stir our hearts for your church, not just here in Australia but around the world as well. Um, help us to, uh, to remember our brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering for their faith and be constantly in prayer for them. Please transform us by your word right now, great God, as we, uh, as we hear. We want to leave this place changed more like Jesus than we came in. Yes. So transform us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Uh, I'm going to throw to a video as it's going to tell the story of who we are. Uh, before we do, has anyone heard or actually met Richard Wormbrand? Normally in a church, someone puts their hand up, but it depends on the age of the congregation because he'd be about 100 now. Uh, but there's, uh, generally, you don't have to go too far before someone goes, actually, I remember hearing Richard Wormbrand come and speak at Gospel Hall or Ann Street or somewhere, so I'll throw it out there. But this is the story of Richard and Sabina Wormbrand. It's a story of God's faithfulness to people who wanted to remain faithful to him. Um, so it's a brief talk about our history and what we're doing today. Thank you. Jesus Christ didn't avoid the suffering. He didn't avoid the persecution. Though he ushered in the very kingdom of God, he was persecuted and executed for it. In this world we will face tribulation, but you promise you'll be right here with us. And he said to his followers, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And to this day, all over the world, they still do. Nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus. If our God is for us, we are not alone. But Jesus promised more, that those who suffer for his name's sake would not be forgotten, not by God and not by the family of God. Voice of the Martyrs was founded by a persecuted Christian as well. Richard Wormbrand reached out for Christ to the Nazis in the early 1940s when they came into his native Romania. He felt a calling to reach out to atheists for Christ. He prayed for opportunities to share Christ with the Russians as well. And when the Soviet communists entered into Romania in 1944, they came right to his doorstep. Richard boldly witnessed to them as well. And just as Jesus promised, they hated him for it. He was arrested and sent to prison for a total of 14 years, often in solitary confinement, often tortured. Through it all, he held on to his love for God 
and committed to witness for Christ in word and deed, even to his torturers. In 1967, Richard, now free from jail and out of Romania, founded an organization committed to sharing the stories of others who, like him, were being jailed, persecuted, tortured, or killed for their faith. He often quoted Hebrews 13.3, Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. That organization today is operating in 68 countries around the world, in regions that are dangerous, in countries that are restricted, reaching out through persecution response, through Bible distribution, and through frontline ministry. That organization is committed to stand with their persecuted family by saying, we will not let them suffer in silence. We will not let them serve alone. From the love of Jesus, if our God is for us, we are now. That organization, Voice of the Martyrs. We will share their stories with the world. We will mobilize the body of Christ to stand together with brothers and sisters who face persecution wherever it happens. We will serve persecuted Christians through practical and spiritual assistance. And we will carry on the mission of the one who called us, Jesus Christ, who said the kingdom of God is at hand. When we think about what's about to happen next couple of weeks, Jesus Christ himself was made perfect through suffering. The story of the New Testament church were people who were not afraid to lay down their life because in the same way that God had raised Jesus from the dead, they too knew that they too would rise again. That's our hope, isn't it, church? That death does not have the final word. That death has lost its sting. We're going to celebrate that in two Sundays' time. I'm really excited about that. And when we read, and I'm going to bring the slide up now, when we read the story of the early New Testament church, when we read church fathers like this guy, Tertullian, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And there seems to be this relationship between church growth and evangelism and witness and, of course, hostility to the gospel. And the good news is God is bigger, God is stronger, God's spirit is powerfully at work. And so we see through faithful witness, growth continues. The challenge for us in churches in the West particularly is that we read this as history and we consign it to a time long ago. Friends, I'm here to tell you today, persecution is now at its highest level in modern history. It is continuing to this day. So when I talk about persecution, what is it that I'm talking about? If I can bring up the next slide. Persecution can be perhaps understood as a spectrum or a trajectory might be helpful. It can include things like ridicule, or oh, you're one of those Christians, one of them. It can include harassment. Why would you want to be a Christian for? That makes no sense. Stop going to church on a Sunday. The eider down's far too heavy. 
It can include discrimination. Oh, sorry, you can't work here unless you sign this code of conduct that says you cannot be a believer. In other countries, that actually is far more worse than that. It can be Christians don't get access to medical care, education, employment opportunities. Yes, the list goes on. And this trajectory can move quite quickly. It can look like mobs, as we're seeing currently in, in northern India, where people come together and say that pastors are engaging in what's called forced conversions, dragging the pastor off, beating them up. And the police are basically saying, the best thing you can do is just get out of town. It can be imprisonment, people arrested for nothing more than having a Bible on their person, in their house. In Pakistan, Christians are often accused of breaking blasphemy laws. They are held then without charge or on that charge 8, 10, 12 years while their matters are held at court. It can look like torture. As we saw about Richard Wormbrand, he was tortured for 14 years for his faith in Jesus Christ. The things that they did to him um, included some, some pretty nasty stuff that I won't talk. You can see the DVD if you want to get an understanding of it. And ultimately martyrdom. People who pay the ultimate price, recognising, as I said, they are willing to lay down their life because we know God has the final word. So that's a bit of a picture of persecution. The easiest way I can think to define it for us here today, who here has a Bible? There's a couple of hands. Oh, hey, there's a few hands. That's exciting. We have Bibles in this church. It's a good start. We have a Bible on our phone, on our bookshelf at home, maybe even open on our kitchen table from reading it this morning before service. Pastor will be on, yes. Who here is um, able to come this morning? We're not afraid of anyone gathering here. This is okay. We want to come. We want to worship. Yet we're all here, aren't we? And those online, joining us online. If we can have a Bible and if we can gather, I have good news for us. We're not persecuted. Okay, If you are not afraid of being arrested for the phone that you have, having a Bible app on it, if you're not afraid that the police are about to come charging through that door, round us all up and take us away, then we're not persecuted. There are 52 countries where having a Bible will lead you to prison or death on this planet. 52 countries where people cannot gather, cannot get together with other Christians for fellowship, for encouragement, for prayer, for worship. And that's what we call persecution. So as we unpack today, those are the two things. I just wanted to put that out there. Yes, there is a trajectory about what is happening in this country. I'm aware of that. But when it comes to being persecuted, I would say if we have Bibles and we can gather, we are not sitting in that space of, of persecution yet. If I go on to my next slide, you'll see um, where this persecuting window occurs. It's often referred to as a 1040 window. Some of these countries have worldviews that are obviously hostile to Christianity, communism, Hinduism quite resurgent under Modi in India, Islam, Buddhism in some areas as well, but where Christians can be a minority. And you could probably say secularism, atheism, um, is now having this funny protagonist relationship with Christian faith around the world. If you go to the next slide, you'll see that nearly 400 million Christians, so 360, live in areas of persecution and hostility. And when you look at the numbers, it's quite staggering. That nearly 6,000 people last year died for their faith. 80% of them were in Africa. 5,000 churches were shut, attacked or burnt. Over 3,000 Christians were kidnapped. So the numbers are quite high. And as we say, this continues to increase year on year. If you look at the next slide, you'll see it says that persecution now occurs at its highest level in modern history, having been on the increase for the last 16 years, and I dare say prior to that as well. 
Christians are the most persecuted faith. And the reason for that is that we are willing to suffer because we see through suffering we actually share the most faithful witness. So how do we respond to that? And how do we respond to those who are being persecuted? What can we do? I'm just one person, God. What can you do? How can you use me to respond to that? Today I want to share a little bit from God's word about what I believe our response could look like. And I'd like to invite you to turn with me now to Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, I hope that it will appear up on our screen. I just want to share a little bit from these verses. Hebrews chapter 13. In its context, we've got the, the by faith chapter of Hebrews 11. We've got Hebrews 12. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so then really we're now entering into what's called the ethical application. Salvation is given to us through Jesus Christ by his grace. The fruit of that, how we now live, how we now respond to what God has done in us. So when we think about that, we can then read these verses. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners, as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. And we look at this, and as I said earlier, persecution was normative. It was the lived experience of those in the early New Testament church. For those who would say that Jesus is Lord, kurios, that was a political title and that had some serious ramifications. And if a disciple of Jesus was suffering as a church uh, was with the book of Hebrews that was written to a suffering church, what do we do? How do we respond to that? Verse 3 there I think is our key verse for today. Remember the prisoners as if chained to them. Remember them because they are vital members of the body of Christ. And so we want to live that out. And Voice of the Martyrs mission statement is intrinsically tied to that. Providing practical and spiritual care to those who are suffering for the gospel. Leading Christians in the free world into fellowship with other believers. So as we unpack these verses today, let's take a quick look at that. When we, we come to, uh, sorry, I actually jumped ahead two slides there. Thank you. Verse 1, let brotherly love remain. Of course, we think of uh, the high priestly prayer. We think of the Last Supper where Jesus said, this is how the world will know that you are my disciples, by the way in which you argue about doctrine. No. No. Love one another. Love. One another. Love is a doing word, isn't it? It's, it's, it's something that I actually have to be involved in. Of course, when Paul writes from prison, love is patient, love is kind. I'm sure he's, he's shouting out loud so that the guard outside can hear what he's saying so the, the scribe can write it down. Love suffers a long time. I don't know why they read that at weddings. <laughs> I'm not trying to be funny. I don't. And I think about myself, well, I don't want to be patient all the time. I don't want to suffer a long time. Even on the road, I'm driving down the road. If the car's in the right-hand lane, they're holding me up. Get out of the way, Phil. Can't you see? This? I don't even want to wait more than two seconds. Who here really wants to actively suffer? It's not something we want to put our hand up for, is it? But yet when we love, we are willingly putting ourselves in that place. We can love one another because of what God is doing in us. 
And I believe the closer we are to God, the more we work on our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the more we are filled with God's love and the more we are able, therefore, to love one another. Our vertical relationship, we will see that play out in our horizontal relationships here and now. You want to know how you're going with God? How are you going with the person sitting beside you? How are you going with the community of faith? And so for love to be a doing word, love needs to take an action form. And we can see that in verse 2. Showing hospitality. Now, I normally preach on this for quite a long time in the hope that someone will offer me out for a nice steak for lunch. Uh, so far, my hit rate hasn't been too bad. It's actually going on. No. This is a funny verse. Show hospitality, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. And of course, you have to go right back to Genesis 18, to the story of Abraham, who God has promised that through your seed all peoples will be blessed, and yet the problem is this promise isn't happening. Love is having to be patient. Love is having to suffer. He's 80. His wife is 80. And of course, these three angelists of the Lord, and angel of the Lord, messengers turn up, and he runs out, he kills the fatted calf, he says, come into my tent, have a feed, let me water your camels, let me take care for you. And they say to him, because of your faith, when we come by in 12 months' time from now, your son will be with you. And there's this guffawing in the back of the tent, ha, 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 and he goes back out and says, why are you laughing? She said, I did not. Yes, you did. Just like an, an old married couple, no, must <laughs> Some have unwittingly entertained angels. When we look at this showing of hospitality, the word hospitality there it actually has its root in philos, friendship, and xenius, others, friends. And so this idea is that strangers and friends become one. I take a stranger and I make them my friend. I show them hospitality. When you unpack the Bible, you can see many examples of this. You can see it as a prescriptive law. Remember the widow, remember the sojourner, remember the alien. The book of Ruth is a beautiful example of that in the positive sense, Boaz and Ruth. But I think about the New Testament context. Those who've given up everything for the sake of the gospel, those who've gone out as missionaries like Paul for the sake of the gospel have given up everything. They're vulnerable. There are others who are in prison for the sake of the gospel. They're our aliens in our midst. These are the ones, I believe, where we see this echo here from the sheep and the goats parable. The sheep and the goats parable. Everyone knows Matthew 25. I was naked. You clothed me. I was hungry. You fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. See the echo here? Love in action showing hospitality, and then as we come to our next verse, verse 3, remembering the prisoners. Now the word remember, it appears in the, in the middle voice in the Greek for, the, for those of you who are Greek scholars, but what it actually means is this. It's something that I personally myself have to do. When we take uh, the Lord's Supper, we don't just watch it. We literally eat. We literally drink. We do something. Tomorrow is my wedding anniversary. I'm already scared. I have to do something. I cannot just merely recall, oh yes, that's the date that these times I said I do. Buy flowers, buy chocolates, buy a card, book dinner. Something. doesn't really matter what. Something to actively remember. Because that one time you don't actively remember, I tell you, you'll, you'll remember next time. 
what are the things you need to actively remember in your world, yeah? What are the things that, that you don't just have to recall, but actually, God, how do I love in action? How do I show hospitality in action? What are you asking me to remember to do here? And this is where the rubber hits the road. There are two clauses in view. The first one, we have to remember those who are in prison, the desmion. Now, when it comes to prisons, I thought this job would be a great job for me. I've spent so much time talking to people in prison. I understand what it is to suffer. I understand what it is to be in isolation. After COVID, who doesn't, right? I didn't understand persecution. I didn't understand those who are in prison for their faith. Because when it comes to prisons, generally it's not in my backyard. It brings the real estate prices down. Getting involved with the life of those in prisons can be quite costly. And we think of people in prison as the bad people. Well, that's what society says, and, and by extension, we pick that up. So when it comes to prison, the general thinking is out of sight, out of mind. I don't want to know about it. And yet here we are told, actively remember those in prison as if chained to them. As if you yourself were right there in chains with them. You don't get much closer than that, do you? When it comes to having empathy for someone, when you are experiencing the same things that they experience, when you are in the same set of circumstances that that person's in, you actively know what their life is like because you're there yourself. This is what we're urged to do, church. To actively remember those in prison as if we ourselves were right there with them. Those who are mistreated, the second clause goes, as you are in the body also. And that word for body there, soma, not sarks, not referring to fleshly body. Oh, you're not because you're a, a psychosomatic being made of flesh and blood and soul and spirit. No, as there is one body, and Jesus Christ is the head of the body, yeah? We are all members of the one body of Christ by faith. We all share in the one spirit of God. We are all participants in the one Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who has given his life for us. So when it comes to thinking about those who are in the body, we see them not as strangers, as friends to whom we show hospitality. Our brothers and sisters, we actively remember their situation as if we were in it ourselves. Now do you start to see what your response could look like? What would you want someone to do for you if you were imprisoned because of your faith in Jesus? If you were taken from your home in the middle of the night, what would you want? I know what I'd want. At the very least, I'd want people to be praying. I'd want a Bible at some point. I'd want to be able to continue to, to, to know my God and, and read his word. I'd want people to be acting for me, to care for my family. These are the things I believe that God is speaking to us today. I want to quote Richard Wormbrand here. He said this, when he was in prison, he says, I was beaten on my feet and my tongue cried. Why did it cry? For it was not beaten. It cried because the tongue and the feet are part of the same body. We free Christians are part of the same body of Christ that are now denied freedoms, being beaten, tortured, and even martyred in restricted countries. Will you hear our message? Remember us. Help us. Don't abandon us. You know, even the smallest pinprick and the whole body knows about it. So today I'm urging you to actively remember, to be personally involved, 
to remember those in prison for faith in Christ, those who are being tortured for no reason other than saying, I am a Christian. Because they, just like the people in the early church, say Jesus is Lord, which means the Caesars of this world are not. And so today I want to encourage you not to have sympathy for them, but empathy for them, as if you were right there too. And to consider partnering with us in prayer, to consider partnering with us in finances, to consider ways in which you too can be a voice for those whose stories will not make the 9 o'clock radio headline or the 6 o'clock news. But we will give you their stories every day and you can share them too. For we are members of the one body. I want to share a couple of those stories briefly before I close and hand back to Dave. I believe the next slide is that of David Amara. David Amara was a radio evangelist in Uganda. He was a faithful brother in Christ, a worker in the gospel. And one morning on his radio show, he was comparing the teachings of Muhammad and that of Jesus Christ, and a caller called in and said, I want to meet to you and discuss further this teaching. He went with his son Simon to meet this person. There were six waiting there in ambush. He was beaten and strangled to death. His son escaped. That's a photo of his plaque on our wall of martyrs in our office in Sydney. And Voice of the Martyrs has four ways in which we respond to the persecuted church. One is to provide frontline workers like David with a stipend or even a motorbike where that is appropriate. And another is to support the families of those who've been martyred or imprisoned. And so we continue to support his wife and eight kids today in recognition of their suffering and their faith. If you look at the next slide, you'll see um, these are the photos taken from 2018 from Surabaya. We all heard about the, the Bali bombings when it was nightclubs. A church where 50 people were nearly killed, 28 were killed in fact, after Easter Sunday coming out on a service and a bomb went off. Fanny and Clarissa were scarred, third degree burns, quite horrific. Voice of the Martyrs through our medical fund were able to pay for reconstructive surgery for skin grafts so that she can now have life in her fullness and by that we mean movement, pain-free movement so she can once again have dignity and, hum and uh, participate in her community. This is her taken late last year in October 2021 because of your gifts, because you said we will remember them. We're not going to let Christians be discriminated. We're going to support them in other contexts. She says today that her scars provide an opportunity for her to testify about the goodness of God. There are so many more slides I'd love to show you, but I'm, I'm, I realise my time is going to run out very quickly. The other main thing I want to encourage you today is, is our Bibles Fund, as I've said. And, and Voice of the Martyrs, we believe God's word is powerful, it is living, it is active, that the Bible says this. And yet it is the tools for salvation, isn't it? If I, uh, if I invited a plumber around to my house, or, or Dave's brother-in-law, who's a great electrician, seeing as we're doing some plugs this morning, and he turned up and his ute was empty and there were no tools in the toolbox, I'd look at him and say, well, how are you going to do the job? Can I have the next slide, please? Sorry, can we have the next one? I've already talked about Ukraine. We'll, we'll skip through. The tools that a person requires, Bibles, gospel tracts, prayer, these are the things that we can do. And so next month we are going to do an appeal. We want to see Bibles in China. Now, I'm not asking you to put Bibles in your backpack and fly to China and start handing them out. But I want to see Christians move off what I call the sidelines. So often we're on the sidelines watching the game. 
We've got frontline workers on the front lines, handing out Bibles, being evangelists. And we want to encourage people to pray for them. We want to pray for, for them to be protected, but also they want to pray that God will use them as he is for boldness and courage in the face of hostility. So we want to encourage you to sign up to pray with us. But we ultimately want to see Christians in the supply lines. Right now, there's a military conflict occurring in, in Ukraine. And it's, it's pretty clear that for every frontline soldier there has, you have seven people involved in the supply lines to keep them there. For every frontline evangelist, we need seven people to pray and give and support them. It's a pretty simple economic. So you can sign up today to pray for the persecuted church and you can help give them the tools we need. Can I get the next slide? Richard Wormbrand says this, Give us the tools we need, the Bible, and we will pay the price for using them. They're not afraid to be caught with Bibles. They know that prison awaits. They know that 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 can be a life or death thing. They're willing to pay the price. Are we willing to support our brothers and sisters in Christ? Give us the tools we need for $8. You can, through Voice of the Martyrs, get a Bible into China get a Bible into other closed contexts. So that's the one thing I, I encourage you to come and talk to me today. If you want to sign up for our Persecuted Prayer Newsletter, if you want to pray with us online, if you want to get involved in helping us get Bibles into places like China today, you can do that for as little as $35 a month. Can I pray, Dave, and then I'll pass back to you. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you are a good God. And that suffering and persecution is something that you yourself, through your son, have experienced. You know our pain. You know the pain of your people around this world. And you're a God who sustains, a God who heals, a God who by your spirit gives us boldness and courage. And ultimately you're a God who makes all things right. God, we might sit here and cry out for tanks to go and give peace to the people in Ukraine. We might pray for forces in China, to free your church, to free your church in North Korea. But you say, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who suffer for the sake of righteousness. God, we pray that by your spirit, you will be strengthening your church today. We pray, Lord God, you'll be stirring up in our hearts a recognition that the front lines are something you're calling us all to. Whether we go, whether we are supplying in prayer, whether we are supporting people and giving them Bibles, the tools they need. Oh God, will you stir up a heart for your people today who are suffering. And I pray your blessing over everyone here, over everyone online today. May they know your peace, your power and your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.